All right. Hey, everybody. I want to welcome you to today's edition of Bible News Radio. You know what? I have to tell you, it's nice to be back here doing an interview with one of my old buddies. Uh, Doug Woodward is, uh, our, is our guest today. And those of you who've been listening to us for a long time, I'm talking a long time, <laughs> a long time. You know who Doug is because I've had him on our show numerous times. And and I would say that that um, today's interview is, is kind of special because, you know, me and Doug actually have met in person now and gone out to dinner, me and Randall and Doug, and, and he has published 20 books, at least close mm-hmm. to around that. Yep, that's and, true. No, that's true. Yeah. And today, you know, what we're going to do, everybody, is we're going to talk about one of his recent, his, his new, his, another book. He, there's so many I haven't talked about, but this one is called Will Babylon Be Rebuilt in the Last Days? Now, those of you who are new to this, let me just tell you right off that, you know, this conversation is kind of a, a controversial conversation in some ways, but, um, you what know, prophecy can, topic isn't right? <laughs> right. Well, prophecy is is con- is controversial, but you know these are not topics to divide on in terms of you know like hey, don't hang out with this person because they don't agree with you. <laughs> you know, right. and, and because if I did that, there'd be so many people I wouldn't even have on the show because you know it just it's just how it is. But you know, this topic is really important. And Doug, you've actually appeared on. Um, prophecy watchers right yeah yeah i actually hosted prophecy in the news for a little while after jr church died after well jr church passed away then kevin clarkson was eventually invited to come on there's been a series a parade of of different uh people hosting but um i hosted oh i don't know a dozen programs maybe and it uh, got to meet some nice people and and that was fun i had a good time and and i decided well i can do that you know so i need to do an interview show so you know in the last year i haven't done much for the nine months because i had i had my wife had health issues which we had to work through and happily i'm able to report that she's much better so uh, but it's kept me from writing it's kept me from doing videos um and you know that's been that's been the life but I did sneak these this book and one other that's kind of related to it called American Requiem. I sort of snuck those in uh, during this year and got those done. So I'm happy about that. Nice. Okay. So I just have to ask you because you did host. Now you know how hard it is, don't you? <laughs> yeah, it's it's tricky, especially when you're dealing with you're trying to be nice to someone that you really disagree with. And you think they're full of it and that yet you still have to ask good questions and <laughs> let them tell their story. So, yeah. So that's all part of the game. Yeah. Well, you know, anyway. Yeah. And just so you know, I don't think you're full of it. So this is easy, <laughs> well, this is easy to do, but I do understand nice what you're saying. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I've had some critics over the years say, Hey, you know, you know, what the heck, but I, I'm a nice interviewer. I don't like to, you know, trap people or whatever. <laughs> that's true. No, it's pleasant talking with you anyway. And I always use interviews as an excuse to catch up with friends to see how they're doing, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, that's a good thing. All right. Well, so let's then talk about your book. So, because I, I want to, well, tell us what your website though is for new people who've never yes. heard of it. 
Give yes. us a little about your And the website has been kind of just redone. Um, and so that's cool. But it's okay. still the same same name. It's www, of course, dot faithhappens.com. And faith happens has a whole hyphen in it. So mm-hmm. it's faith-happens.com. And and I'm, you know, all over Amazon, just do a search on S Douglas S as in Stephen Douglas Woodward. And uh, you'll see me there. And if you did it, did that on YouTube, you'd probably find about 70 interviews that I've done because um, I've done well over 100 now. So wow. make this 121 just to pull nice. a number up here. Yeah, thanks. That's right. So, uh, you, know. you know what? Having just published my first book, you know, um, yes. trying to get interviews for my book, um, it's it's been it's been tough to get interviews. <laughs> of course, my book isn't a prophecy book. It's about pickleball. So, yeah, there it is right there. Well, I know. I, see, I've got it. I need to interview you, don't I? You know, it would be a good interview. It would be a good interview. Yeah. So I've got it. This is a pretty long book, though. I don't know how long it'll take me to read it. Let's see. What is it? 80 pages? 79? 81? No, it's 80 pages. I think it's, and I, I'm looking forward to it. I bet I really enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Well, I have, the, I have the, been reading this one by Randall. I'm really enjoying it. Yes. Everybody, Illumin Me is my husband's new book. We still need to talk to him about it on the show. Yeah. But yeah. I, will, I will tell everybody. Um, two, that we have a brand new mobile app, Heart Talk International. Check it out on uh, Google Play and also Apple. You can download it and you'll get this interview that we're doing right here. It will be inside the app as well. So those <laughs> who are doing it. All right. So let's get into this topic about if Babylon's going to be rebuilt in the last days. Um, you actually wrote a critique of probably my favorite Bible teacher on the planet. <laughs> and you <laughs> just- and you disagree with them, but I have to tell you. So the only on this one topic, though. Oh, I know, but I, I will say, yeah. Doctor Doctor Andrew Woods. I actually met him at the prophecy conference in Oklahoma. Okay. I had no idea who he was when right. I talked to him. I felt I feel like such a goofball now that I know who he is, and I've sat under his teaching for a little bit. But um, he wrote a book called Babylon: The Bookends of Prophetic History, um, and you basically disagree with him and and mm-hmm. that's that's okay right. i actually have to say i'm gonna do this and then i'll let you rip okay yeah um, yeah i have to say that i did read part of the introduction of it because of mm-hmm. this and it's interesting to me there's a ton of differences here between what people think about this and to be honest with you i'm mm-hmm. not really sure what i think about it you know yeah. i mean well, I, read the whole book and then you know I, read the whole book and see what you think I will say, though, that um, so these proponents of fulfillment, um, you know, include Hal Lindsey, Bill Salas. Uh, then there's Roma's fulfillment, Joel Richardson. I've had all these people on my show, except Hal. I haven't had Hal on the show. Yeah. Um, but you actually are going up against Tim LaHaye, J.R. Church, Frank Logsdon, Gary Stearman, Tom Horn, maybe Steve Quayle, and maybe Paul McGuire. The late Noah Hutchings, the late John Price, Jack Van Impey, uh, the late Patrick Curran, who I've actually had him on the show too. Um, well, I don't. I, I think you're. I think you're reading the wrong list. I don't think I'm going up against all of them. I think those are uh, folks that generally I believe would agree with me. Oh. Uh, the list that's different is Mark Hitchcock and Andy Woods and okay. three or four others that uh, Michael Heiser probably. 
you know, Michael Heiser is going to pass away sometime in the next week or two, yeah. unless the Lord intercedes. So I'm very, very sad about yeah, that. But anyway, yeah, so it turns out there's, you know, there's a number of people that, um, I mean, I was going to read this as long as, yeah, Tim, there's, 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 there's. yeah, so, um, yeah, there's, most most of the prophecy people out there do not believe and i should let's what's the thesis of the book andy's book the thesis is that the babylon that used to exist in iraq today's iraq on the euphrates river that that is where the future babylon spoken of in revelation 17 and 18 where it is going to be located and that it will become the religious, economic, political center of the world, and it will be the city for the, or city of the Antichrist, right? So I say balderdash to that, uh, and I have lots of reasons why, that's why I wrote a book, but his, uh, you know, he does a nice, I mean, he's obviously a great writer and a great thinker and all that, and he's certainly taken a position, as I mentioned, Mark Hitchcock and some others that are uh, you know, really strong scholars. But this is an area of disagreement. There's a number of viewpoints, which I talk about, you know, sort of a half dozen probably reasonable, you know, viewpoints. For instance, let's say Joel Richardson, he would say Mecca, or he would say maybe that new city called Neom, um, that maybe that's going to be future Babylon. And, um, you know, so there's different, different points of view. And that's kind of one of the things I point out. So I have a question then, why is this important if we're not going to be here? Or do you think we will be here? Well, uh, you know, I, uh, I put my eggs in the basket of the pre-trib rapture, okay? okay. So I think, um, I, think I, I will be here for a while more. Uh, but of course, we believe, as Arnold Fruchtenbaum would say, that the Lord can come at any time. It's a timeless event, so it can happen at any moment. So I still believe that. But on the other hand, uh, I also am aware that you can argue well for the, you know, mid or uh, pre-wrath view, which would have us through a good part of the seven year period we know as the tribulation and into the great tribulation. So, you know, so that's, 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 what, that's what I'd say. Okay. It's interesting because I have a friend that believes in the partial preterist view. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah, yes, yes. And I'm, I'm thinking, okay, well, and I got a book to, to read up on it, but you know, I lean, I obviously lean towards the, the pre-trip camp. So that doesn't really have anything to do with this though, right? No, it doesn't. Just so you know, though, the best book on the, on the preterist view that I've read is uh, Before Jerusalem Fell, Be Before Jerusalem Fell. I can't remember. I can't see the author. Let's see. Gentry. Yeah, that's a tremendous book. Uh, you know, which argues forcefully for that point of view that that the second coming was actually the uh, destruction of the temple in 70 AD, that that was a judgment. That's when Christ came back as judge. Uh, I don't believe that's true, but that was the that is the partial preterist view. Really? OK, well, that's weird. But yeah. I happen to know a lot of people in the um, Bill Johnson group, uh, charismatic people tend to lean toward mm -hmm. Because they think the kingdom of earth is on, the kingdom of God is here on earth right now. Yeah, which, well, that's dominionism. Right, which I don't theologically yeah, agree I with. Do. That's, right. that's, nor yeah. I, madam, nor I. Well, I mean, 
I understand where they're coming from, right? I understand that they want to exercise the gifts, and, you know, and powers and wonders. Yeah. And that stuff. yeah. I have no problem with that. I'm not a, um, um, what's the word? Um, charismatic? No, I am kind of a charismatic, but I'm, I'm not, I'm not a cessationist. I don't think that the gifts. Oh, there you go. Yes. I, I think that God still heals. I just don't think that we see genuine healings the way that they're being portrayed in the media. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think yeah. God will probably heal on the mission field in various places. Actually, right. one, of, one of my good friends told me um, that, you know, her daughter um, mm-hmm. was miraculously healed. Mm. She didn't say under what ministry it was, but, you know, they had taken them to the doctors and a neurologist. She was in a wheelchair. She couldn't walk. And mm-hmm. they went to this event and the guy gave a word and the, the girl who, who was, I'm not even sure how old she was at the time, but said, mom, I'm healed. And they got up and left and she was healed. And to this day, she's healed and she's a mother. Tremendous. It happens. I I absolutely believe it happens. I think it's, you know, the providence of God. It is, he has a plan for everyone. And some he plans that they'll be healed miraculously. And some he plans that they won't for various reasons. And we don't always know Uh why. Usually we don't know why. I know. his it's his decision so back to your babylon thing though okay so what's the main point of andy's book that you don't agree with yeah well the main point is that he believes that the physical old babylon will be rebuilt and right now the old babylon is not much more than the tourist attraction it's very small a few acres and the idea that that would become the political center of the world uh, through the Antichrist, it's a stretch because I believe that there's strong reasons to believe there's other, other ideas about Mystery Babylon. Certainly the Hal Lindsey traditionalist view is that Rome is Babylon. And Bill Salas would say that, you know, that that's, that's Babylon. I already mentioned, you know, the Islamic Antichrist, Joel Richardson, who is really the sort of the founding father of that, you know, that's what he believes that Mecca or Neom uh, in Saudi Arabia will be the, you know, will be Babylon. And I come from the school and wrote the book called The Final Babylon, which argues that uh, the United States as a nation and New York City as sort of the iconic city of America, that, that we are Babylon. And, uh, and so I spent a good amount of time arguing why um, New York and the United States qualifies. And, uh, and so the, the main point of Andy's is I just don't believe it's going to be rebuilt. I don't think that the Antichrist is someone who is going to be, let's say, Islamic, someone that is going to be Middle Eastern, necessarily rising from political issues or yeah, political activities in uh, the Middle East. I think he could be a European, he could be an American president. So, uh, and so in that sense, um, you know, the, the traditionalist dispensational eschatologists tend to believe in the idea of Rome as um, as mystery Babylon or Babylon, I have in the book actually lay out the concept of three Babylons in the, in the last days, and the United States is one of the three. And that's that's where Stacy, when you get into the deep part of the book, 
Um, that's an idea that I've worked out that I believe the Lord has shown me. Um, and I think it's a very solid argument. And uh, so I encourage you to look at that. So uh, that being the case, you know, the issue is, well, what's mystery Babylon? Is it the same as great Bab Babylon the Great? And I would argue, no, it's not. They're, they are different. So Revelation 17 and Revelation 18 are speaking of different Babylons. And that's a, a core thing Andy Wood would, would disagree with. He would say, no, they're the same. Okay. I want to ask you another question. Yes, ma'am. That's your, that's your prerogative here. It's your show. Okay. Now, so to, just to kind of reiterate the, you know, what's going on, Andy Woods has written this book. He's arguing that, um, that when we think about mystery of Babylon or Babylon the Great, they are one and the same. They, uh, they are, you know, showcased in Revelation 17 and 18. And he believes that the Tower of Babel um, is, in fact, the location there in the city of Babel or in that location right on the Euphrates. So he thinks that it's all the same. So Tower of Babel, Nebuchadnezzar's Babylon, uh, Babylon today as it exists, sort of in semi-ruins. Uh, except for what um, uh, not Osama, but uh, Hussein did in terms of sort of rebuilding. He had, had put uh, bricks, you know, Saddam Hussein, you know, built this. And uh, so those bricks exist in Babylon today. So it's, you know, it's a tiny place. And the argument's going to be completely rebuilt and made the most powerful city in the world. Yeah, I just don't see it. Don't see it. I think that's an impossible ask. And, uh, and so that's really the basis of the book is to point out that there really are three other arguments for Babylon that are really better than what Andy's arguing. Okay. So my question was going yes. to that I didn't get to ask and just truth in advertising people, my groceries showed up. So I had to pause the recording. So this <laughs> weird. You know, we're trying to make it this way, but you're our friends, right? So you can all laugh. You think that's funny, right? So yeah. Um, but okay, so the literalist point of view, though, that's, that's, mm -hmm. that's where he argues, right, is that yeah. this is literally going to be where it's at. And, you know, maybe it's because of how I've been trained as a, a mm -hmm. Bible, I mean, I'm a precept Bible study leader, you know, mm -hmm. and, you know, I tend to look at scripture literally, and the more literally mm -hmm. you look at it, the more amazing it gets to me anyway i mean oh in most instances i agree but you think that in this instance um there's other views that are that can okay would you would so are you arguing then that new york city america is kind of like a type and does jonathan khan argue that i'm just curious because um I yeah I, I think he might he might just because he's you know pretty much preaching the judgment on america so right. uh, the short answer to your question is, I think there are three Babylons. America specifically is the daughter of Babylon that's talked about in Jeremiah 50, 51. And oh, about five other verses that talk about the daughter of Babylon. And it seems very clear that that is a different uh, Babylon than mystery Babylon, which seems to be associated with religion and Babylon the Great, which is everything economic, political, military, uh, you know, authoritarian control. So they, they, to me, they read differently. And then, uh, you know, I am being practically minded in the sense that if the Lord, you know, it, and this is the late Chris Putnam 
said this in on the forward to the book that we wrote, The Final Babylon. If the Lord came today, you know, it's obvious that the only nation that really could qualify as Babylon would be the United States, because it's the only one that has the economic, political, military power, et cetera. And so, you know, and that, you know, the, the United States has been at the lead with the, the League of Nations, United Nations, trying to create a one world government. Uh, the United, you know, the, the, the financial Klaus Schwab, you know, the Davos group and all that. America's right at the center of that and has been our media and our presidents and other key corporate leaders. So we've always been involved in trying to create that, uh, that one world government. You know, I have to bring up Israel though. Please. So, Go ahead. I, <clears throat> okay. So, you know who Tuli, Rabbi Tuli Weiss is? Uh, not really. Okay, so he he is a rabbi. He's a young guy, actually. I think he's younger than me. me. Um, mm-hmm. But he he um, he's with um, Israel three sixty five. Okay. And recently, he posted uh, on Facebook, and I, and I had interviewed him during the Trump administration, mm-hmm. as when Trump went and put the U.S. and em, embassy back in Jerusalem. Right. Uh, Israel was super happy about it. And, and of course he, he made the comment that, you know, they, they did not like Obama at all. Right. Sure. So now, so, and as you know, Netanyahu lost, mm-hmm. now he's, now he's, now back. he's back. He's back. He's right. back. And Thule was just, he just did a, um, a post about that and about, mm-hmm. about why Christians should care about Israel. Mm-hmm. And, okay. And I should the- read that. If you think of it, send me the link. Yeah, I can send you the link. I'm actually going to have him on our show. I interview. I, I said, hey, I'd like to have you back. He isn't a messianic Jew. He's a he's a a secular. Well, he's probably a religious Jew. Well, he's he's a he's a Jew. He may be Orthodox or he may be Reform, but right. he's one of those kind of things. But how how would this play in with with Israel then? Mm-hmm. If if all the promises are to Israel, I mean, here behind me, I got Israelology, the missing link in right right by Fruchtenbaum, right? Yeah. <laughs> Well, I still, I still buy into that. I mean, I still believe that Israel is at the center of uh, Bible prophecy in the last days. So right? Babylon is, though, around, it's in Iraq. Yeah, Babylon's what, 700, 800, 900 miles away from Jerusalem? and um, Okay, but so just based on that, and I'm not a scholar, as you know, based, okay. on, based on the fact that it's so close to Israel and the influence mm-hmm. there, don't you think it makes more sense that it'd be closer than America? Just well, you know, you know what influence line? what what influence does that city of Babylon now on the Euphrates have on Israel today? I have no idea. <laughs> Zero. It has none. How many yeah. Jews? How many Jews live in Babylon today? None. none? How many Jews live in all of Iraq? Almost none, oh, because yeah. Saddam Hussein and and then the you know the religious leaders got rid of them all right so there's there's almost no connection between uh iraq babylon and jerusalem um when we think of who's you know who's kind of in that mix you think of turkey you think of iran you think maybe of egypt saudi arabia but iraq is for all intents and purposes it's just not there anymore you know it's it's got a government that was kind of a puppet government for the U.S. and 
but now it's it's kind of more in the you know Iran, Iranian sort of uh, sphere of influence, but it has you know there's almost no there's no threat coming from Iraq per se. Okay. So I but I does does that mean that Israel can't be heavily influenced by let's say the United States or let's say the European you know the Bill Salas Hal Lindsey view that that Rome is mystery of Babylon is Babylon the Great. Yeah, so they would they would say, well, you know that 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 the church, the Catholic Church, European Union, all that together becomes that uh, you know that power. See, now that's what I've always heard. I've, right, exactly. You know, it's the traditional view. But at the same time, I would say, you know, Janet Parcel, she she you know on her show, she always kind of in the past. I don't know what she believes now, but mm-hmm. she'd always say, you know, we're living here in Babylon, and I think she meant it more as a type. Yeah. I guess the other question then is, mm-hmm. where is America in the Bible? I mean, I know you've written a whole book about that, right? Couple. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, that's true. I've written maybe three or four. I'm sort of one of the, you know, leading, maybe even outspoken uh, proponents for that. So um, I do talk about that in this book, by the way, and talk about, you know, I'm looking right now at one of the, by the way, this book has color pictures. Didn't you like yeah, that? I, I did. I yeah. saw it. Yeah. I, and I was like, yeah. wow, I really need to like, okay, so you, you wrote the final look, look at page, thing. look at page 18. This is a little chart that talks about the Jewish population in New York city. Right. And essentially, you know, if you added up all the Jews in New York and you added up all the Jews in Israel, what you'd find out is that they're just about the same. And what so you find out is you're talking to a Jewish woman who was born in New York, by the way, just so you know, there you, well, see, there you go. So, and so you have roots and no wonder you're, no wonder you care about these things. Right. So, uh, yeah, but the, you know, if we went through, I point out what about 10 items here in terms of why I think that the United States meets that the point, but to answer your question specifically, I believe the United States is in the Bible in, um, in basically Jeremiah 50 and 51, the discussion, discussion on the daughter of Babylon. Because if you look at the attributes of the daughter of Babylon, it does not really equal at all mystery Babylon, and it really doesn't equal Babylon the Great. Now, Andy would say, oh, that's wrong, you know, that it actually mirrors, it says the same thing as, as, Babel, as, uh, uh, as Babylon the Great. And I would say, no, you just, you got to go look at all the attributes and he even kind of admits it when he's going through, you know. So uh, anyway, I you know there, there's about ten things I could point out here, but there's there's strong arguments that New York. I believe New York is not just. I believe it's like the iconic city representing America, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so the whole nation, and it's kind of like just like Babylon was the iconic city for Chaldea, so it's okay. the same thing. Well, and everybody knows because that's what the terrorists hit was New York. I mean, that's absolutely of our financial. And I, that's why I brought up Jonathan Kahn. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, his book, The Harbinger. Yes. Really good. And he's got some other really great new books. And I normally don't follow that, you know, people in his mm-hmm. camp. Right. I, I think the Lord's given him some prophetic messages yes oh, i agree with you i and i like jonathan i think you know the, the the later books always try to reinforce some of the themes that made the first book a bestseller and you know you can't always do that to be fair to your audience 
So, but I, you know, he's definitely gone down the path of trying to find more sensational things to say that will interest people and, you know, more power to him. Um, I just think it begins to be more and more of a stretch, but you know, that's me. Yeah. I haven't read any of his other ones except the harbinger. Yeah. But okay. So if America is the daughter of Babylon, who is the father? Yeah. Well, I think that the father is a combination. I think mystery Babylon is predominantly uh, the Catholic church plus any, any church system. And there's a lot of Protestant church systems that also are heretical. So I think it speaks to the heretical Christian church, which at the time of the end will be, you know, hundred percent if, if all the believers are taken out beforehand, but if they're not still probably 90% or 95% are, you know, probably not real catholics are tough because a lot of the uh people that are in the catholic church uh, there's no question there's got to be a lot of good christians there yeah. and yet they're you know they're following a ritualistic approach to christianity which may not be my cup of tea and granted they have this whole mariology thing and they you know have their rosary and all that so i i don't think those things are are really biblical but but you know, if they love Jesus and they understand that Jesus's death on the cross is the point of salvation, not their good works, but just the point of salvation, then, you know, they're Christians. You know, I have to say, it's, a, it's just probably a little bit of a rabbit trail, right? Go ahead. I love rabbit trails. Uh, I like rabbit trails myself because, you know, I'm a therapist. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm always <laughs> well, going, tell me why. Tell me why you said that. Let's go deeper here. Right. Well, the, the thing is, okay, so I was raised Catholic till my parents got thrown out of the Catholic Church, right? I don't know if you oh, knew that, but I did my first confession and then my mom and dad got divorced and I was thrown out, right? Okay. And my, well, my parents were, I, I mean, I've never, so I, I had that, that route, but when I became a Christian in high school, Mrs. Cardini, mm -hmm. who was mm -hmm. Spanish teacher um, mm -hmm. at La Sierra High School, she was the one that headed up the fish club and she was a charismatic tongue speaking Catholic. Ooh, yeah. Um, and I will tell you that her and then my, my friend Susie, who was, um, she was my geography teacher. She was also a pretty devout Catholic. And mm -hmm. um, many years went by, I was praying for Susie because I didn't ever get that she was really born again, even though she was religious. Well, right. long story short, she got she got divorced and then she got married. She got divorced because her husband cheated on her. She got remarried to a Christian guy. Mm -hmm. And um, anyway, long story short, before they got married, they agreed, her new husband agreed that mm -hmm. um, that they would go to each other's church. So she would get to go to the Catholic church on the weekend, one week, and then and then he picked Greg Laurie's church, Harvest Christian Fellowship. Oh, okay. Uh, All right. All opposite right. Weekends. Well, about yeah. two years ago, and, and Susie just died in uh, last year at the end of the year, mm. which was heartbreaking for me. That's why I bring mm -hmm. it up because, but two years yeah. ago, we were having a conversation and she said to me, she said, you know, I've taught for 36 years. I've run into lots of Christians in my walk and a lot of judgmental ones who always say, oh, Catholics aren't saved, blah, blah, and right. everything. Right. And I never told her that I thought that, but I thought that about her anyway. Yeah. Um, but I, I was listening to her and, you know, she said, I want you to know that you've been my angel through the last 30, whatever years. And, mm. and that every time I needed you, 
you know, you know, you showed up and God were there. You. Yeah. And I would write her notes of scripture and, and various yeah. but here's the, thing, the last thing she told me though, last conversation, long conversation I had with her. She, she told me, she said, you know what? I started going to Greg Laurie's church with my husband. And you know what? I was really surprised by, I said, what she said, they gave out those little sheets and we got to fill in the link and look up the scripture. She said, I'd never looked up the scripture. Now this is somebody who was mm. brilliant. She spoke numerous language. She taught yeah. you know, stuff, but she had never been taught how to read the Bible. And she mm. actually confessed the Lord and became born again. So, yeah. um, so I, I'm just sharing that. As Wonderful. That's a great, well, that's a great story. Catholics, yeah. are, Catholics are kind of taught not to read the Bible. Almost right. right? All right, especially uh, the old-timey ones. Yes, yes, that was like verboten. You do not read the Bible; only the priest reads because there's too much chance for you to misunderstand. Right. Right. So all of the people, like the Westminster Confession and all these Mm -hmm. different things that we look at, even Luther, right? They all have a a Catholic background, Um, and so they yeah, very anti-Catholic, anti-Catholic position, of course later but right. go ahead make point i interrupt yeah ahead. he yeah he was an anti-semite i mean luther was but oh, yeah. you know, he did the 95 thesis right so he right. got part of it right but part of their theology actually fell into mm-hmm. you know the workspace salvation mm. which which we know you're saved by grace not by your works that's right so that's right so saith saint paul right who wasn't that's catholic right. <laughs> that's right. He was a Catholic. Yes, that's right. And he didn't read the King James Bible either. No, he didn't. Um, <laughs> but anyway, okay, so. Oh, that's a good story. And that's a nice, I mean, that, that's Christianity in practice. I mean, that's what Christians are supposed to do. Albert Camus said, you know, the world is really waiting for Christians to sort of stand up and be Christian. <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> we just don't exhibit it, you know, and, and that's, boy, that's a shame. I think it was C.S. Lewis that said Christians are the best argument for and against Christianity. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and that would be very, very accurate as well, of course. So, so you actually talk about Nimrod in your in your book here. I do. Yeah, I talk about about Nimrod Nimrod because he's he's tied into Babylon, right? Absolutely. Well, the Tower of Babel. You know, the tradition says that it was Nimrod that led the rebellion. Now, of course, being the contrarian that I am, after I wrote the books, Rebooting the Bible, one and two, which I think, did I send you copies of those? I have those, all your books, yeah. You have all my books. Okay, those are the massive books that, uh, yeah. that I wrote that deal with the Septuagint and the Septuagint translation of the original Hebrew back in 280 BC. When you go in there, and which is, you know, kind of where my pre- book and the, my presentations on this kind of begin, it's that Nimrod could not have led the rebellion at Tower of Babel because he was probably not born yet, probably wasn't born for another 100 years. So the, the facts, as well as the chronology of the Septuagint, suggest that it was probably his father, Cush, who was, in fact, the leader of it. And, you know, there's a, quite a number of, of aspects of that, that that suggest that that's the case. But a lot of it has to do just with the timing. You know, if you if you once you understand that the flood happened a thousand years before the King James Bible said it did, that it happened more along the lines of 3150 instead of 20, 2150, then, you know, it, everything begins to make more sense. Uh, the uh, the 
basically the archaeology and the chronology of the Bible begins to align with academics, with what academics teach about Egypt, about India, about China, about Mesopotamia. All those civilizations began roughly 3000 BC, and that's roughly when they would have begun if the flood had happened around 3350, 30 to 3250 in that time frame. That's about where they would have began. And Babylon probably, or the Tower of Babel, probably happened uh, less than 200 years later. And, uh, and so that's, you know, why I don't believe Nimrod. I think Nimrod is a great antitype for the Antichrist. But, um, and I do think he was absolutely the first world emperor. I think that he, you know, he, in the, like the mythical Gilgamesh, I think the mythical Gilgamesh was was based on Nimrod. You know, okay, so who's Gilgamesh again? Remind me, my memory. yeah, he's the Mesopotamian sort of hero that seeks to de defeat defeat this well, this character known as Yahawa. I think how to pronounce that? It's you know like Yawaha or something like that. But it's probably you know the circumstances would suggest that that it was uh, Nimrod perhaps going off to uh, seek after Noah and uh, to have a chat with Noah perhaps about wh where he was going with his life and all that. So it's a possibility. <clears throat> That's what uh, um, a number of folks and some Egyptologists that are closer to the Christian side of things would suggest. <clears throat> so That's very interesting. So my other question then has to do with like, for people who don't know what your background is, like, okay. like you used to work at Microsoft, right? I did. I was a general manager at Microsoft for like six years. I was a general manager at Oracle for like two or three years. I was a partner at Ernst & Young, uh, the big accounting firm. And uh, so, yeah, I have a, a heavy corporate orientation. <laughs> if you think that Bill Gates can be the Antichrist, bring this into the... <laughs> yeah. I think Bill Gates, I think Bill Gates is, is an antichrist. He is an antichrist, yeah. you know, and I had okay. dinner with him once. And so it's kind of like, well, you know, having dinner with the antichrist, what did you think? <laughs> uh, you know, well, he hadn't, he really didn't, you know, showcase his, all of his tendencies back when that was occurring, which was about 1993, something like that, you know, 1993. 30 years ago. So, yeah. Quite a long time when I was back at Microsoft. So how did you get interested then in doing all this, this research? Well, yeah, most believers yeah. don't, like me, I'm not, I do a lot of research, but just not in this particular area. Right, right. Well, I got turned on to the Bible when I was 15. <clears throat> I had cancer and I had my left leg amputated. And uh, I was, it was very unlikely that I would live. And the doctor said I had maybe a 10% chance to live. Um, and I had people praying for me all over the country, and I studied the Bible, and I read things at that time. You know, I didn't know better, and I, no, actually, not true. I, I read Norman Vincent Peale and Oral Roberts, and I found them very helpful at that time in my life. Again, I was 15 years old, but, um, and that, that just, you know, gave me the right kind of attitude and optimistic, and, and you know, the cancer, uh, they took off my leg, and the cancer never reappeared, and that was a miracle. It was a miracle. So I got really just 
super curious and just dug into the Bible and uh, uh, just loved it. I read, you know, the New Testament, I got to know very, very well and uh, enough of the Old Testament, mostly the prophecies. And I got turned on to Hal Lindsey about the same time, because that was 1969 when that happened. And that's when the late great planet Earth came out. That came out in 1969? Yeah, 1969, 1970. That was the time frame for it. I was born in 1968. Well, see, you're a youngin. See, I was I born in 1954, so. I'm going to be 55 this year, though. So, yes, oh, I'm young, well, you're super old. <laughs> that's, that's okay. I, I, I will say that when I met you, I had, I totally didn't even know that you didn't have a leg. I mean, I mm -hmm. knew because you had told I had me. A prost I was wearing my artificial leg, my prosthesis at the time. Yes. But I didn't even know. I mean, I didn't know, you know, you would never know. Yeah. You weren't well, it looked, it looked right under my jeans, you know, right. right? <laughs> she didn't notice I was wobbling around a little bit as I was walking. I think I had my cane then, I think. You might, you might. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, but what do we know? So, yeah. But anyway, that was, it was a life thing, you know? And so, um, Lord was, was real to me. Um, I had other experiences that really warmed my heart. Um, the charismatic thing was, you know, I read Pat Boone's a new song and I read a number of charismatic things and, and, um, I really didn't become a tongue speaker per se until I was 23, 24. And again, for me, speaking in tongues is a pretty, I don't do that very often. I mean, it's just not key to my spirituality. Maybe I should do it more, but, but it's hmm. not there, you know, on the front burner, if you will. That's very interesting. I did not know that about you either. That's very interesting. I tell you, I'm, a, I'm an interesting person. We're <laughs> <laughs> all interesting and, and it is. We true. can be. We yeah. are very interesting. You know, mm. I hated history growing up. I hated it. And then when I became a Christian, which was like 40 years ago, maybe yeah. one year yeah. ago. Yeah. Um, I remember my my first mentor telling me, she said, you're gonna love Bible history. Just get into Bible history and you'll learn to love history. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and it's really true. And I mean, that's kind of basically what you've done as far as with all your mm. books. Yeah. Um, Big emphasis on Bible history, no doubt. Well, yeah, because without biblical history, the rest of history makes no sense. That's true. And that's why I wrote Rebooting the Bible, because the majority of evangelical Christians are still buying into the King James Bible and the mm -hmm. chronology of the King James Bible, which completely conflicts with uh, academic chronology. And once I discovered that the Septuagint chronology is different and that it makes sense and that it aligns with academic, for the most part, aligns with the academic history, then it's like one of the major blocks for people to believe in the Bible is, is removed. Nice. So that's why it's important. Well, I have, you know, that I don't fall into that camp that you, you mentioned because good, you know, and it's funny because me and Randall, we always talk about that. We'll talk about, well, gee, you know, how'd all these other people get saved prior to the King James Bible, you know? Yeah. It's, right exactly it's, well I the king actually, bible saved millions and millions and millions of people there's no doubt about it but it just happens to be that the rabbis corrupted a number of very important verses in the old testament including the chronologies and they did that to try to refute the the idea that jesus was the messiah yeah well and that's really ultimately what it comes down to you can uh yeah we're we're still recording here everybody <laughs> is, this, is this randall 
Yeah, he can come down. Come on down, Randall. Come on down and take a look at us. This is a friendly podcast, but he's on his lunch now, so. Oh, I see. Okay, so he has to be careful. But he can't he can't be seen? There he is. Hey, there. I'm enjoying your book, man. Well, good. Thanks. I'm enjoying your book. All right. Well, if you're still recording, I can. I'll... Yeah, we want. We yeah, you'll have to cut this out later, but that's okay. Yeah. All right. Well, come back down later. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Twenty minutes later. Okay. All right, everybody. You just heard that. That was that. Um. <laughs> that's that's that. Yeah. So. Oh yeah, that's what I was. Well, he should have stayed to say this, but yeah. But the the sixteen, you know, eleven King James Bible. You mm-hmm. know, most of us recently, I asked in my um. Well, that's what it was. I got my train of thought mm-hmm. back. The Coverdale Bible. Have you heard of that? Yes. Oh, yes. So recently I did a heart tug moment inside our new app um, talking about the Coverdale Bible and and just the history of the Bible and how, um, yeah. you know, how he actually, you know, put it together. Do you have a copy of it? Is that what that is? This is I have a copy of the 1611 King James. OK, which has the you know, it has the the old. um you know, sort of block, uh, black letter, you know, type and, uh, you know, very difficult to read. And of course, some of the letters aren't the same letters that we use today. The V and the U and the S is done funny and all that. But Coverdale actually, yes, he he introduced a lot of that stuff. So we have the understanding Mm. where the breaks are and stuff. But, But anyway, the way I, the reason I bring that up is because we do a lot of um, we have a Bible reading accountability group. We have a daily disciples group where we literally have read the Bible. Now, Doug, I don't know if you know this, but in our in my Facebook group, the daily disciples group, yeah. we have now read the whole Bible out loud on video in Facebook. Wow, that's in an our, accomplishment. In our group. And we, we just started now back in uh, Psalms. And now yeah. we're, we're starting our second do it. But in that group, one of the things that we talk about is I always say, tell us what translation you're reading. Yeah. Because, you know, I I read the New American Standard 95. That's what I'm memorizing because I've yeah. that was the yeah. popular version in the 80s when I got saved. Yeah, that's what I that's what I use for memorization as well back in those days. Yeah. But I mean, I still use that version, but you know, I and I was hesitant to look into different versions, but now I like I like the new living translation. It's, it's very mm-hmm. easy to it's, read. Yeah. V, v is easy. Um, I like the New King James version. You know, yeah, I mean, so, but people who get hung up on King mm-hmm. James only drive me crazy right. because I'm yeah. like, I I actually read the Living Bible. That was the Living. Bible. Oh, I know, and and uh, it was always interesting the footnotes when they pointed out certain errors that Paul made in what he wrote, but. <laughs> Well, that's a paraphrase, though. Still, it was, yeah, no, I, I read it too, a lot. I actually so, have a copy uh, of it right here. It's right here. Oh, yeah, the living, oh, yeah. The green Good old one. Times. Yeah. Old time, yeah, the green one. That's the one I had. Yep. I had the old green one. I well, you know, it. I wrote a book, which you may not be aware of. I wrote a book in between the two rebooting the Bibles called A Biography of the Christian Bible. And so I talk about, you know, the progression of translations talked about how the old testament was you know moved to the bomb bomberg bible when it was printed initially in the 15th century and and um 
and really all of the the Bibles from the different uh, Protestant, um, as well as you know the people who got burned at the stake for you know doing those kinds of things, and uh, cover that ground. And then um, I know an issue that uh, I could talk with uh, Randall about. Randall expressed once in one of our discussions uh, the importance of the received text. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and I. I yeah, I just, yes, Texas Receptus. And I just wrote an article on, on my website if he wants to read it, because um, I argue that there really wasn't a pure received text. Every text was a critical text. And so even the original Erasmus, he used seven different versions. So he had to create a version. And, uh, and it continued to be uh, radically transformed for the next 150 years. And so before you finally get to the King James. <laughs> what version do you, do you actually like the most now? Just what version? I, I read, um, I actually like the new, hold on a second. I got to get this right. Doot, doot. All right. I like the, there's two Bibles that I read. I read the uh, Archaeology Study Bible by, it's an English standard version. And it's wonderful because it has all these nice pictures, has pictures and it has notes about things. So you just, you learn gobs from it and as, as you're reading the scriptures. And um, Psalm 139, I opened that right to that Psalm that one was on the inside of our wedding rings when we got married. The other Bible that I'm finding that I'm reading quite a bit, especially uh, doing a comparative read between the Old Testament of uh, the Septuagint. This is a, a new translation of the Septuagint by Lexham. It was done just a couple of years ago. And um, there have been a number of new versions of the Septuagint. And when you read the Septuagint, you will find there are some differences, some things that are the opposite of what it says in the Masoretic text. And so then you have to drill down and look and see which one was telling the truth. So anyway, so I read those two Bibles. So for my listeners who don't know what a Septuagint is, it's the Greek, yes. it's the Greek translation of the Old it's, Testament. It's the Greek of the Old Testament. The Old Testament, yes. Uh, right. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Yeah. And it was it was started uh, around 280 BC, and it was finished uh, with the <clears throat> the Maccabees. You know those stories about the Maccabees yep. that led up to the Hanukkah and so forth. That was all finished about 135 BC. So you have the Septuagint was completely done. Uh, you know, sort of one to two centuries before Jesus was born. So that brings up the other question, and you probably know the answer to this because I don't. No, I don't know. We'll see. Probably- well, you mentioned the Maccabees, so the Catholic Bible right. has extra books, and that's the yeah, the Apocrypha. Mm-hmm. Okay, how did those get taken out, and do you think that they matter today? Yeah, compared yeah. to yeah. Well, okay, the, you have to understand. Bible. Yeah, the the Jewish Bible was um, had been built and included would have included the apocryphal books, um, and it would have included some of the um, pseudopigrapha books like Enoch. Would have been included in what the Christians were reading, um, but it wasn't until after the temple was destroyed and the rabbis went off to form a school at Javnier or Jamnia, as it's known in our anglicized version, and they recreated the Bible. They took the text that they had, and then they went through and they changed the chronologies of Genesis five and eleven 
because <clears throat> those chronologies of the Septuagint point to the fact that Jesus did come at the right time, and they cut out a, over 1,300 years to try to say that he didn't come at the right time. Uh, they changed a lot of messianic prophecies so that it was harder to see that Jesus fulfilled those prophecies. But if you go back to the Septuagint, which is quoted in the New Testament, right. then you see that they're, they're different than what's read in the, the Old King James and the Masoretic text. So, um, yeah. So it, anyway, so understanding that that's kind of how the Bible evolved and came to be the way that it is, it's, it's not quite cut and dried. And the people that follow the King James, they want it to just like, well, just keep it simple for me. Just, just, I just want one Bible and I want to know every word in that Bible is the word of God. And it's absolutely true. And, you know, you get into the problem that the first 16, you know, 11 version was, it had hundreds of errors that were changed in the 1612 version and the 1616 version and so on and so on for the next 150 years. And um, so anyway, so you got to understand these things to be able to uh, understand how you can trust your Bible. Also, you should have Pastor Mike Hoggard on your show and argue with him. About oh, that. my gosh. Oh, he would. He and I would. Uh, <laughs> we would uh, go at it, you know. Yeah, he's, uh, you know, King James only and and uh, God inspired the old English, you know, and and uh, don't bother to read the Greek or the Hebrew because those were imperfect languages and God made the English language much more perfect and accurate. So See, go with this, a English. What this does for me is it just, you know, I wish, you know, I told Randall, um, I, I took my first sabbatical last year at the end of the year. Neat. And, but really I just stayed here. I was trying to do stuff, but you know, I, if, if I could just take, you know, a week off from life basically, and just right. find the stuff that I want just to read so mm -hmm. I can glean all this stuff, I would be like, wow, this is amazing. Which mm -hmm. is why, you know, God has put you in the body to, to whet my appetite for stuff and, and, and all these other hope things. I, hope, I, hope I do that. That's a good thing to be. It is. It is. Yeah. It's really good. So you've been a good friend to us too. So. Oh, thanks. Thanks. Well, I, I believe in you guys, obviously. So, uh, you know, why do you believe good. in us? Give us a plug. Tell me why I believe what is well, so great about us. I am one of the weirdos. I, it's yeah. like in the whole prophecy world, you know, in the, the circles we run, how I ended up in it. <laughs> right. it's, it's, just, it's just amazing. It's well, amazing. I, can, I can put into words why I think you're special. Um, I think you have a great spirit, you know, you kind of bubble, you know, you, you're very happy. I mean, when you are in interacting, you may be not so happy when you're sitting around sulking about things, but you know, you're happy and you're, uh, enthusiastic about what you know about Christianity. I think that's great. But, you know, I think one of the things that kind of alluded to it or alluded to it earlier is that you're just, you're a kind person and you know, you want to treat people right. And you do treat people right. And I think, you know, that's where the rubber meets the road. You know, if we're not kind, you know, then, then we don't have the spirit of Christ in us, in our heart. So I think that's a testimony to the fact that you do. Well, thank you. I can yeah. give you a hug <laughs> there. Okay. But... Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> okay. Hugs. <laughs> I'm used to these type of hugs. Uh, all right. Well, I got to wrap this up. Don't have yep, to let's wrap it. Do wrap it up. It's over. Actually, I think we did almost an hour. So, yeah, we could get chat too much, probably. That's all right. <laughs>
Well, yeah. anyway, everybody, if you're listening and you heard all this stuff, yeah, the groceries, Randall coming in, you know what, this is real life and this is my house and I can do what I want. And hopefully right. it doesn't bug you too much. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Help you feel again where um yeah. Okay. Well, uh, you can you can find me my website, which you can check out. It's all new now. Is uh, www.faith-happens faithhappens.com, uh, and then you can see me. My books are there, and buy from me if you can. I, I make more money that way. But Amazon, all my books are out at Amazon, and many of them are at Lulu and uh, so forth. So you can find my books there. Um, I would I'll put in plugs. Just we we talked about a, a new book called. Uh, will Babylon be rebuilt in the last days? It's a pretty easy read. It's, it's kind of a one hour to two hour read. And, uh, and then the books that I've written that are, that are kind of bestsellers right now are the two sort of monster books, Rebooting the Bible, part one and part two. And, um, and so those are the books that, you know, if I were to die tomorrow and, and my books were to mean anything, those would probably be the books that would mean something, you know, after my death. Um, because I've, I've done research and pulled things out, pull things together that other pastors and teachers just haven't talked about. So, and that's well, a shame. If you die, I'll read those ones too. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. I, I want to know that you'll read them when I, when I'm gone. <laughs> I, I probably should read them while you're here. If I have questions. Yeah, that'd be fine too. We can talk about them. So. <laughs> Anyway, so you said the website is faith-happens.com? Yeah, that's right. Faith-happens.com. And you can see my, my new pretty picture and all the plugs for what I do, all my posts, which I'm still trying to work with my developer to get the posts automatically emailed out to everybody. Oh, nice. So, I should subscribe to that then. Yeah, please. Please do. And uh yeah, so it's I've got a really nice store now in terms of all of the nice features that it has. And so that's part of the new thing. And uh, and then, but you can read about me and I've got all my blogs um, going back forever and key PowerPoints that I've done. So there's a ton of free material there that, that you know, encourage you to study. Uh, I think you'll enjoy it. And then obviously buy a book, helps, helps me uh, do what I do because I'm, I'm just doing this. This is my full-time job now. Yeah. And you know what, everybody look in all seriousness here, which we've been serious the whole time. When you, <laughs> when you buy books directly from the author, especially if they have their own imprint, like we do, and mm -hmm. does, you know, it really, it does help the ministry out to buy them directly. Mm -hmm. So you should do that. Try buy, buy direct. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Cause you, Amazon, you basically, I'm, you double yeah. our profit if you do that basically. Right. Yeah. Cause yeah. Like my book, Pickleball Faith, you can pay 14 bucks for it on Amazon and I get five. Yeah. So, you know, if you it direct after your cost, you make more than 10 probably. Right. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Which, yeah. which, so. which every, every little bit helps, which by you, the way, everybody, if you like this show, which of course you do, because you're one of the few to listen to it. <laughs> uh, don't forget, go over to hardtug.org and don't forget, we have a brand new mobile app in there. This interview will be inside the app, but we have a heart tug moment where I tug on your heart, hopefully. Um, and then we have some new groups that you can join and you can have conversations in there where you won't be banned unless I personally ban you. <laughs> uh, but I can, you know, if I personally ban you all, you know, you, you will have had to do something criminal to do that. Uh, but 
you know, you can do that. There's lots of cool stuff in there. We have some ancient archives in there as well, which, you know, I need to find some, some of the old interviews I did with Doug and put them in there. Um, Yay. And um, yeah, I got, I just, I've done so many interviews. I just got to find them all. Have. Them all. Yeah. Um, so we, we have a lot there uh, to do and look at. So I hope that you check it out. Doug, thank you again. Yeah, as always, what a great time. Yeah, and you, we will have to do this before five years. I'll, over again, so. I, I'll be, I'll be interviewing you before long on, on pickleball and, and Randall on the, the devotional that he's put together, which is really nice. Yeah, cool. That would be cool. very cool. Yeah, it'd be fun to go the other way, right? So, uh, so we'll do that. So thanks, Stacy. All right. Okay, everybody. We'll see you next time.